Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents Revolution, featuring your host, Heisey Lutner. Welcome, everyone, to this month's episode of Revolution. Thank you for joining me and joining my co-hosts that are here for our traditional roundtable discussion. And that means I am joined by my co-hosts, Mildred Lynn McDonald. Good morning, hi C. And John Carasella. Good morning. And I actually attended a workshop over the weekend, and there was the the theme of the workshop was something I thought would make an interesting question to jump off of for us to discuss, uh, especially as we're moving into spring and we start to think about new projects, new cycles, things we want in the coming year, um, goals we might be wanting to put into place, and that kind of thing. So the the overall question and the theme is what is the difference between desire and attraction? Um, So the first thing I would like to ask uh, John and Mildred and anyone listening, ponder these questions for yourself as well. Um, What would you say is the the root of desire? Where do you think desire comes from within us? Hmm. I think um, I think desire at its deepest is emotion by the soul to have experience in this reality it's like um it's a it's a pull of of the soul to to have an experience yeah to have an experience i, I something something in deep inside me wants to experience something i find i agree with john to me it feels deep it feels encompassing of all the chakras it feels very full and definitely an energy link to the soul. That's what desire, because you hear, you know, soul desire, life's desire, love's desire. Heart's desire. Heart's desire. It's a positive thing. I I don't feel any red flags or anything negative about it. If someone said, this is my desire, to me it would be 100% a a really good thing. Yeah, it's it's funny how we, um, in, I guess in, Western culture, but more, maybe more specifically in, you know, as a result of sort of the Calvinist streak in Judeo-Christian culture, uh, the idea that that desire somehow represents weakness uh, when it really is just a, a registration uh, of, of something that wants to be ex- experienced. And that doesn't have to be a weakness. That can just be, hey, this is what this is what's coming up for me right now. John, I've never looked, and I see, I've never looked at desire being associated with any form of weakness. And I come from those big words that you just used, society <laughs> culture. <laughs> so we'll we'll come back to that thread in just a second. Uh, but the I, I wanted to first ask. So then. What would you say is the nature of attraction, and where does that uh, originate and come from? 
I find attraction is a light, fluttery vibration. And to me, it it doesn't feel as full. It doesn't feel as encompassing of all the chakras. It doesn't feel necessarily that it can come from the heart. It could be a, a chemical attraction. It could be a physiological, which I, which I guess is chemical. It could be a philosophical, poetic attraction. But it doesn't seem to me, from my feeling place, to have the depth of what I would consider a desire. Hmm. For me, I, I was uh, the word that came up for me was aesthetic. Right, attraction to me seems to be uh, a function of my my aesthetics. You know, it's like something. It's cool. It's interesting. It's stimulating in a way that uh, appeals to my sense of aesthetics. I guess, and and you know, broadly speaking, because my aesthetics might be everything from philosophical to sociological to um, physiological and so on. And if you took a moment either right now or maybe you've thought about this previously, um, where would you say in the body, when you think of desire, when you experience desire, where does that reside for you in the body? And the same with attraction, when you feel that or experience attraction, where does that uh, feel as if it resides in the body for you? I see for me, with desire, it comes from the core of me, so I, the trunk part, well, maybe the, the heart chakra on down, and attraction seems to be fluttery, like butterfly wings in the areas of the eye, or maybe the sixth chakra, that area there. Uh, interesting. For me, desire seems to be more um, my like lower dantian, like uh, somewhere between my solar plexus and my second chakra. So, yeah, it's sort of my gut. I think desire, at least at least for the moment, you know, recently, uh, is emanating from there, um, and attraction. It's more in, you know, I feel like uh, it's it's like in my throat. Um, it's associated with uh, like my breath almost. It's like like I see something that's attractive and I want to do one of the, you know, an inhale, a, a, an, an inspiring inhale. Uh, so in a way, it's kind of butterfly wing-ish, like kind of like what Mildred say, Mildred's saying, except it's for me, it's more centered in, in my throat. Uh, yeah, when we did a, a meditation at this workshop to see where that where desire resides for us, um, it was very similar. It, it's interesting that because both of you basically talked about the, the lower chakra areas, um, and you know, I think that for me it was also kind of in that place. But it, it seems to say that desire comes from a very deep or deep seated place or a very root place within us. Mm. Um, but I also found that it seemed as if if we allow desire to stay in those lower chakras, that they're like a very restricted container and the desire, the energy of the desire can build up and then it starts to feel as if it's just going to explode and it needs expression. Mm. If we can pull it up to the fourth chakra, to the heart, which will bridge it between the lower and the upper chakras, 
And it's interesting that both of you kind of mentioned the upper chakras is where attraction is coming from. It's as if the heart is kind of the the way to to see if that attraction is in alignment with a true desire, but also to pull the desire up to a place that is a expansive container rather than a restricted container and can open up to say, where do I meet or find um, uh, the expression of that desire in another, whether it's a person, place, or thing. And then there's a sense that the desire becomes about wanting to connect and interact with the desire of, of the other rather than simply looking for some other to be the satisfaction of the desire because it's so contained and explosive in those lower chakras. Uh, say more about that. I, I Say more about that. I didn't quite catch all that. About that, the last part. Yeah, that that there's a that there you're looking for uh, a way to share the desire as opposed to satisfy the desire. Is that what you? Right, because because the lower chakras really are about us, ourselves, the self. You know, the first mm-hmm. chakra, the second chakra, the third chakra, and um, they're really about our our self in the world and what we need. Especially if we go to the lower chakras, the first and second, it's about what do I need to feel safe, secure, satisfied, etc. And we bring that up to, and so there, if we let it just sit there and not get expressed and not expressed in the right way, then there's a sense that we're simply looking for an outlet for the satisfaction of that desire so that we can feel better, so that we can release that pressure or or feel that sense of, okay, that's not, you know, um, uh, driving me crazy or obsessing me or feeling compulsive. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we pull it up to the heart chakra, then we can start to filter it through something that allows that desire to become something bigger than just about us. And we find the proper expression as well as a connection with the other in order to make that desire about something that is beneficial for, I'll use a Buddhist term here, but for all sentient beings that it is coming into contact with, rather than it just being about satisfying my own desire for my own sake. Mm, okay, that makes sense. All right, thanks. Hi, see, when you were talking about desire and attraction, as I was listening to you, as I always do so intentionally, <laughs> the word that came into me was passion. So there's attraction, there's desire, and I wonder where where passion resides in the body. Well, and I think it depends on your definition of passion, just like it was kind of touched on in the definition of desire when you guys were talking about it. Are we thinking of passion and desire in the sense of, uh, you know, romantic passion and desire, sexual passion and desire, or are we thinking of it as something broader than that and something that goes beyond just that definition, which goes back to like what John was saying, that I think that word desire has gotten too uh, constricted in its definition as being something that's about material desire or physical desire, and it's lost the sense of that deeper, bigger essence of what desire is really about. Because both of you said, in a sense, and I kind of think this too, desire comes from the soul. Mm. Whereas attraction comes from something that's more superficial, more surface-based, more more immediate, 
rather than something that is kind of it's it's been sitting with us or comes from a deeper place that's more of a longing and and something that our soul is saying this is what we want this is what we need this is something that in some way may be part of our growth and evolution as a, a being hmm. so in a sense um attraction is something that's comes from the outside and desire is something that comes from the inside right maybe Right. That that's how I would think of it too. Attraction is external based and mm. desire is, is internal based in the sense of where it's coming from and what's triggering it. So so Mildred, what when you use the word passion, mm-hmm. you know, how would you yeah. define that in order to say where does that reside uh in the body? Well that's interesting because when I when I go into the energy vibration of passion, whereas desire went from my fourth chakra down. When I bathe in passion, it's definitely in my fifth chakra, into my fourth, into my third. So that's mm-hmm. where that is. Yeah, I think for me, passion is uh, when a desire is strong enough that it makes me want to give myself to it. So, you know, when I think about the times that I've been passionate in my life about uh, about anything, you know, a cause or, uh, you know, gardening or, you know, my fruit trees or whatever. It's, it's, uh, for me, it's that transition from appreciating the desire as a desire to going active in, in, in moving myself into position to take action on my desire. You know, sustainably pursue my desire. I guess that's what passion is. Yeah, I kind of felt that way too, John. I like really like the way you described that. I could I could feel that. To me, passion, you own it. Yeah, you own it. Yeah, yeah. And and I I guess I feel that. Um, kind I kind of feel that all the way. You know, top to bottom, emanating from the, from the center line. You know, from my my uh, center chakra line. All the way up and down the whole body. That's passion for me. And maybe desire is the impetus, mm-hmm. and and passion is the um, unavoidable or irresistible need to act on the desire. Yeah, it definitely has an active component to it. So. I'm going to give you five words. We're going to play word association Uh for my co-hosts and all of you listening at home. Uh, And so um, we'll go through them first for attraction, and then we'll go through them second for desire. And and the the goal here is not to think about it, just to say what word or, or short phrase arises for you in the moment of hearing that word in relation to attraction or desire. Um, and also to use this as a way to look at how to maybe identify which is coming up for you and how you need to approach it, work with it, etc. Um, once you've been able to identify which it is. Sounds so, great. Sounds great. Uh, so I'll 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 give the word and then I'll have each of you say a word um, in response to that and then we'll go to the second word. Okay. For attraction. What word or short phrase arises for you when you hear the word comfort? Oh, um, a fluffy comforter quilt. Fuzzy wuzzy. 
So for attraction, what arises when you hear noticing it? A tickle. A gasp. So for attraction, what arises for you when you hear the word objectification? Uh, uh, Beauty. Structure. For the word attraction, what arises for you when you hear the word responsibility? You know, uh, okay, I, what's what's coming up for me is a, uh, an image of a swing set that one might might set up as a parent for a child. I don't know why, but it's like the idea that you would provide, you would take responsibility for providing something that would be of attraction to a child. Mine is tightness, like being in a grip. And for attraction, what word or short phrase arises for you when you hear the word appropriateness? Courtesy. Boring. So now moving on to desire. So when you hear the word desire, what word or short phrase arises for you when you hear the word comfort? Okay, when I have when I go to bed at night, I wear these chocolate brown fuzzy socks. So that's the feeling that came to me. Chocolate mm. brown fuzzy socks. Um for me it's um sexual intimacy. So for desire, what word or short phrase arises when you hear noticing it? My face is getting pinched and my eyes are squishing. For me, it's like uh, equivalent to um, a hunger pang. And for desire, what word or phrase arises for you when you hear objectification? Yuck. It's like something's not balanced, something's not aligned. And for desire, what word or phrase arises for you when you hear responsibility? No, no, no. Uh, interesting. For me, it's, um, it's it's like sacred purpose. And for desire, when you hear, oh, what word or phrase arises for you when you hear appropriateness? I'm just making a funny face and squishing my eyes again. It doesn't taste. It doesn't taste good in my mouth. What I what comes up for me is a misunderstanding. And, you know, if you wrote those down and saw them side by side, there's interesting things that come up that start to reveal what attraction versus desire is for us. Like for John, with objectification, it was very interesting because attraction, objectification, equaled beauty. Whereas desire, objectification, equaled something that felt distasteful or or, or not in alignment or was uncomfortable in some way. Mm. Um, so I would encourage people to perhaps try this exercise with yourselves or you know with other people in some way. Um, and, and writing them down can be very interesting because you start to see the difference that comes up or the similarity sometimes, but maybe helps us to identify are we experiencing or acting on attraction or are we experiencing and acting from a place of desire, uh, depending on which of those things that we've identified might seem most uh, um, descriptive of what we're feeling and what we're doing. Mm. 
So I want to thank my co-hosts and the listeners for being willing to engage in a bit of uh, thought and conversation around this topic of desire and attraction. And it is now my desire to thank my co-hosts, um, John Caracella. Mm, pleasure. And Mildred Lynn McDonald. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, High C. <laughs> so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I encourage you to perhaps try out that exercise. And stay tuned. Coming up, we have our Living Well segment. We have our astrology updates. You also have your opportunity to call in or Skype in in order to receive a reading during the show. And also stay tuned for my conversation with my guest, Mary Electra, who is a tonal alchemist and sound healer. And you'll hear some very interesting ideas and ways that you can use sound for both healing purposes as well as helping us to expand our consciousness in a number of ways. So, you're listening to Revolution with IC. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. host Heisey Lutmers on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at facebook.com slash revolution with Heisey. I am Linda Wiley and this is Living Well with Linda. 
your monthly guide to the well-being of your body, mind, and spirit. It's about an alternative approach to life, healing, and living well in our changing world. Food is alive. It is a being. It is a sacred being. Food is not just our vital need. It is the web of life. Vandana Shiva Our body is a machine for living. It is organized for that. It is its nature. Let life go on in it, unhindered, and let it defend itself. It will do more than if you paralyze it by encumbering it with remedies. Leo Tolstoy, War and Peace To realize our connection with all of life and the plant and animal kingdom and how we support and help each other in our process. I am Linda Wiley and this is Living Well with Linda. Well, Linda, here we are once again as we enter into the beginnings of spring. I know for some people that's probably a challenge to think about because part of the country is still buried under snow and cold weather and you know which is odd for me here in California because it's like in the 70s um, yes. and we certainly have been loving it and enjoying it though we still continue to be concerned about the water situation um so hopefully some some spring showers will come our way uh so as we are moving into spring and have that sense of a new cycle beginning what do you feel is in the air what's what's bubbling to the surface for you as we enter into this season? So the way I see it is life continues to move on to where we do not always know, but it takes us anyway and always we go with her. Aware of this movement or not, Gaia is her name to some. Some go with their head buried deep in the sand of denial. Others go willingly looking with eyes wide open to see the offerings of truth. So how do we transcend the program and find our way within where all life is lived in truth once again? And how do we connect more deeply with the heart of the world? It seems as spring moves forward, this is the movement that is wanting to be taken. How do we find the heart of the world and communicate with this place that is everywhere and all things? It seems we have come so far from our truth in the times long ago when magic was afoot within the world. And we heard the speaking of nature within our hearts. And the mind was the the support of the heart rather than the main organ of seemingly knowing the world. The heart was fully online in times of past. Before the white men came and destroyed this truth for progress, the natives lived in this reality. The age of enlightenment was actually the age of endarkenment, for the linear grid was placed down upon the non-linear reality we call life. There is no way to know the truth of life via linear reality because the heart was taken out and we lost our touchstone to life in the process and hence the world we see today. Imagine a time when all life communicated with all of life and this continent was a fully managed food forest taking care of the native people. They knew where to go to get what, at what times of year, how to graze, their animals, what fruits became, where to hang out for periods of time. They communicated with the world and the earth, the world communicated with them. 
So everything is an electromagnetic vibration. And these electromagnetic currents and vibrations that encircle the earth and us are filled and encoded with meaning and information. That's how we found out the healing aspects of plants and how to use them. All of life is a song. All the electromagnetic variations are Gaia's song bringing life to life and to us as well. Communicating deep truths from the heart of the world, all of which were once heard. We are expressed out of the earth, out of her for a specific purpose in her plan. We are nothing special, nor are we the height of her creation. We are, in some aspects, a mammalian weed that has grown out of control, losing our place within the scheme of things. Yet all is perfect as it is, or it would not be so. One can Google, and I encourage you to, Earth Song. It's a very enlightening piece of information to hear the sounds of the Earth. They're otherworldly, yet you can hear things of nature within them. It's a very beautiful. So deep within our own healing, within my own healing this winter, I came upon these truths. Life asks nothing of us per se, but we once gave back to her and lived in communion and love for her, and she gave deeply to us. She still does, it's just that we've lost that connection and that hearing, that understanding. We really have never ever needed anything but what she gives. Everything is a sentient being, even bacteria and viruses. Like us, they are self-organizing, oscillating systems for the science-minded of us. Antibiotics are anti-life, an attack on life, if you will, and the bacteria of which we are ourselves have lived for billions of years, mutating to survive. And so they are now, as we have become the terrorists in many ways, attacking the virus. Living in harmony with Gaia and all she dreams into being is our way forward. So how do we give back? How do we find our way once again into the heart of the world, into the heart of life? Last month we spoke of the heart breath. This time we will speak of turning into our hearts and listening once again to hear her song, which is our song. Did you know that all disease is actually a musical problem, a disruption of Gaia's song within our own body? a deep disconnect with the song of life. So this month as spring comes on and life once again beckons us to come alive and sprout forth, it's time to sit quietly with her in nature and ask her to speak with you. It's about feelings and opening to a truth many are unfamiliar with. But we also know that once we have been in nature, we always feel so much better. Is because we once again get in touch with our truth. We're, we're not in the programmed world, so to speak, where we're not hearing and sensing and feeling the electromagnetic vibrations that fill everything. So we sit with her and listen, asking her. It's time to know it consciously, to really feel it. Find a plant that you are drawn to. Walk around out in nature and just look and just feel and see what happens to grab your attention. Sit with it and ask for its wisdom. Start with the heart breath to center and connect. Then begin your own dreaming into the heart of the world and listen to the truth offered. It's not an easy job per se, for our conditioning is deep. 
but it is an offering of love and eventually you will hear her drink as she speaks to you via the plant and animals as well. Offer love and thanksgiving to the plant or tree with a bit of tobacco or a prayer or a song or sing a song and perhaps you will hear a song back. Trust the info that comes to you via the heart. Perhaps it will speak to you of the things you might need to look at and let go of so that truth can once again enter in. And we sing all together the song of life so badly wanting to be heard. Well, thank you for that reminder for people, especially as the weather is starting to get a little warmer. It it, it reminds us to get outside and, and, and be part of that nature once again, especially for people in colder climates where they've been very cooped up and, and a little bit separated from that. Um, do, do you have any uh, resources or suggestions for things that people might uh, read or watch? Maybe when they go sit out in nature, they might take a book with them to, to read that could continue to stimulate this, this thinking and, and, and the things you've been talking about. I do, indeed. Much of the information and a deeper conversation is to be found in a book by Stephen Booner, B-U-H-N-E-R. He is my new hero. Through my alchemical healing process this winter, when uh, his books were my companions, my friends, helping me in the healing process, and many plants came to me in that time, like aloe vera, self-heal, hops. It was really quite an amazing experience to, to listen in and hear that. So he has many books that will blow your mind, <laughs> and that is why I love him so. This book is called Plant Intelligence and the Imaginal Realm, Beyond the Doors of Perception into the Dreaming of Earth. Wow, it's really all I can say. Once we embark upon this path, nothing will ever be the same again. And may it be so for all of us, for we need a new start. So I encourage you to get his books and read them and uh, follow what he has to say. It's quite amazing. It's quite beautiful. There is one other book that I would like to add here that has just come out. It's not quite at press yet, but it will be soon. And it's about genetically modified food. And many of us understand that, that it's detrimental to our health, the world, the earth, the web of life, the soil, all things. Um, but there haven't, hasn't really been a definitive research about it. So this book is it. It's what we've all been waiting for for a long time, and it's called Altered Genes, Twisted Science, Truth Behind the Biotech Science Fraud, and How the Corporations Have Co-Opted Life in a Way. So I highly recommend it. Uh, I think it will be very informative, and we will see, for those who believe in genetically modified foods, that nothing really is as it appears to be, so... Highly recommend that. And and then also a DVD that actually goes right along with this is um, a movie called Origin. And it's about looking back at our ancestors and what is needed for our survival. We lived in harmony and were able to survive because of it. In the face of hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, those basic needs have been have uh, basically remained unchanged. Yet our modern technology often imperils the very elements that we rely upon to nourish and sustain us. We are more 
isolated from our natural environment than ever before, and that dynamic has resulted in an unparalleled number of chronic health concerns, a deteriorating planet, and increasingly severe obstacles for our children and grandchildren. While the challenges facing us might seem insurmountable and complex, the solutions are anything but. Brimming with passionate and persuasive testimony from a distinguished panel of experts in the fields ranging from anthropology to medicine, Origin shows us that the power to reverse the tide of destruction is as simple as eating clean foods, rejecting a sedentary lifestyle, and embracing the circle of life in which we all play a part. And so the the two authors that you had suggested were Stephen Booner? And Stephen Drucker for the Altered Genes Twisted Truth. And that his last name is D-R-U-K-E-R. You can find it on Amazon and pre-order it. It will be out in a couple of weeks. Okay. And as you mentioned there, instead of feeling completely hopeless as if it's all insurmountable, you're always a wellspring of useful tips and practical suggestions. So do you have a, a tip or something for us that we could think about uh, as we move into the spring season um, that would be good for us? I do. So it's time to start um, with eating sprouts and all things green because this is what is happening in nature. Nature is sprouting forth with all the green, beautiful life, um, and it is the time of liver. The spring is the time of liver. And the liver loves green, fresh shoots and sprouts and kale and spinach and broccoli and all those things. It helps it detox. It helps it let go of any work that we've done through the winter that the, that the body needs to, to release. So it's a, a cleansing of the liver with the vibrant greens of nature. Grow some sprouts yourself. It's easy, easy to do and worth the effort. Filled with so much goodness that the body needs just at this time. As I say, nature in her wisdom gives us all we will ever need. So put greens in your smoothies. Eat greens. Fresh in your salads with beets and carrots, kale, spinach, bok choy. What is ever is easiest to get in your local area. I, I don't really think that you can ever eat much green. And I am also thinking, and it's just because when I got out of my car the other day and I saw this in my yard, it's also a really great time for dandelions. Dandelion is starting to come up. So all those wild kinds of things, dandelion, there's miner's lettuce, there's a sorrel might be coming up now. I'm not sure on that. Chickweed also is another oh, wonderful wild herb that I have in my garden, and it's very uh, moistening and soothing to the mucous membranes. And often through the winter, we kind of dry out sitting inside in the heat. We're not out in life and so on and so forth. So those wild greens are also really a wonderful addition to the diet. And a couple of those that you mentioned are also really good for allergies. And as we're moving into allergy season, I think they're also really good to now start preparing the body so that it will be more ready to deal with the the allergens that will be in the air. And I agree. And you know, the allergens, the toxicity, that's about the liver too. So as the liver is cleansed, it helps us to be able to, we're 
more fortified against that kind of thing. The liver is not overloaded, it's cleansed, it can handle the uh, new load that gets put upon it. Well, once again, thank you very much for helping us to all live well in a more successful way. Well, and I thank you too. I wish you well and have a great month. Thank you, and we will look forward to hearing from you again next time. Thank you so much. And remember, it's only a dream. It's only a dream. It's only a dream. It's only a dream. Thank you for joining me today for this segment of Living Well with Linda. I'm Linda Wiley. If you would like to chat further with questions, comments, or consultations, please contact me at Linda at Thank you and blessings to all. Blessings to all. Have a great rest of the day. Listening to Revolution with host Heisey Lutmers on Firefly Willows LIVE. Revolutionary guest this month is international spiritual teacher and tonal alchemist Mary Electra, a master of enhancing the intention of the healing process individually and globally. Mary works on many dimensional levels using techniques such as toning, breathwork, bodywork, tarot, and spiritual counseling. Ancient sound and healing vibrations manifest through her and she is inspired by the spiritual vibrations of many masters such as Mary Magdalena, the Christ Consciousness, Sai Baba, Baba Ji, Mother Mary, as well as many other interdimensional beings. Through sound and interdimensional frequencies unique to Mary, she guides people to connect with their own inner wholeness 
through the portals of their higher dimensional self, assisting them in finding a true sense of homecoming while opening their own personal omni-reality. You can find out more about Mary and her work at her website www.maryelectra.com and information or to order her latest CD, Breathe Peace, at www.cdbaby.com. So please join me in welcoming to the show today, revolutionary guest and tonal alchemist, Mary Electra. And welcome, Mary Electra, to the show today. Thank you for joining me. Are you there, Mary? Well, we might be having a little bit of a connection issue. Uh, Let's see if we can bring you in here. Are you there, Mary? I'm here. Hello. Sorry about that. Excellent. Can you hear me? I can okay, hear good. you just fine now. So, well, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me. Oh, you know, Heidi, thank you so much. It's been so long since I've seen everybody up north. And uh, I can tell you that Skype has a little bit of an issue. Anytime you make any, when you do anything with your little board there, it disconnects my call. So I'll call you back if that happens. All right. We will do that. Okay, just so, so. just so you know, I I've been I've been listening to the show, and every time you went from one transition to another, it would disconnect me. Just so I've paid attention. So anyway, I okay. apologize. Well, that's okay. So, so if if it happens, then we will just get you reconnected as quickly as we can. And it happens. Uh, in a minute. <laughs> um, and so and so you said you miss us here up north. You are down in Palm Springs, California, I believe. I am the new spiritual mecca. Oh, so tell us why that that title has been dubbed uh, for Palm Springs. <laughs> well, Mary has dubbed it as Palm Springs. I see. Go ahead. I would say it took that title once Mary Electra moved there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I probably moved here because this is like a lotus un, uh, unfolding down here uh, as far as the spiritual center. And there are a lot of people being drawn to this area. I have the fortune of belonging to a spiritual community, and I'm their uh, Wednesday Night Live speaker coordinator. So I get all the speakers to come in. And first of all, I get the most amazing speakers, and you're invited to come anytime. Because Palm Springs is a great place to visit, I see. All right. And you're invited to come and speak anytime. Um, and people come from all, I mean, I have people come from uh, from um, New Mexico, uh, Minnesota, and stuff. Uh, they they want to come to Palm Springs to visit, and when they're coming to visit, they come and, and speak. And it's, it's, you know, it's just phenomenal. But some of them stay. They come and they stay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's really so cool. is, is there something in particular about that area that is is drawing people down there? Um, you know, is there a particular ley line or something going on energetically or something that is is pulling people there? 
Well, you know, most of this land in Palm Springs is Native American land, and it's still owned by the Native Americans. In fact, the land I live on right now is leased. From uh, The Native Americans have leased this to the mobile home park that my mobile home is in. And a lot of people buy their homes on leased land, and so um, it, it's quite interesting. And there are certain pockets of this area I have always noticed when I'm here that have uh, um, like amazing vortexes of energy. And, uh, you know, we're very near the Integratron and Joshua trees. And right now the desert, I mean, the desert, it's unlike any place. It, it just seems like it's a hard life, you know what I mean? But it's such, it's a, it, the desert teaches you so many things. And well, many what, people come what, here to feel. What, what, would you, what would you say is one of the, the more um, deep or profound things that you've learned since moving there and being much you know, more in connection with the desert? Well, I've had an appreciation for the desert for a, a long, long time. And I've had a place here in Palm Springs since 2004. So it's not like I just recently um, it's not like I just recently became enchanted with the desert. I've been enchanted quite some time, but one of the things that i can I can feel that spirit brought me here. I'm not here by any mistake because i always I was always trying to sell this little mobile home I have because once i i I was living here and then I'm was traveling back and forth from the Bay Area to to Palm Springs because I had clients. And then after 2001, everything started shifting, you know. And um, I think in 2008, it all culminated, but it was like slowly reaching that point for some time. And I found work up north in 2006, so I didn't live here part-time anymore. I just rented it out. And I wanted to sell it, and I kept trying to sell it and trying to sell it, and I couldn't understand why it wouldn't sell. And I would drop the price because it's a cute little place, but I just never could sell it. And once I came back, and once, you know, uh, life evolved, and I realized that spirit was never, uh, ever in, in accordance with my selling this, I was meant to come back someday. And I'm here. And so I believe I do a lot of healing work with my sound wherever I go. And I think that the desert um, is healing me and I'm healing the desert. And I don't know how to tell you that. And and I, I, I couldn't tell you anything really profound that's happened to me. Um, I was in a very dark place when I left the Bay Area. And uh, I seem to be unfolding and blossoming again. Well, we're glad to hear that, at least. Yes, and and it feels like that the world is now ready for the gift that I bring to it and the sound uh, that I do. Yes. So so speaking of the, the work that you do with sound, and, and can you maybe give us a little background on how you discovered your particular like connection or and gift to sound and being able to use it for healing? Well, it... Uh, 
first of all, I need I need to say that as a spirit, I feel that I've always been a healer person, a person who could facilitate the healing process with others. And so I think that I came into this world with that frequency and vibration because it's part of me. And I had no idea that sound was going to be a part of it. I used to do chair massage and massage, you know, I did massage and chair massage at a lot of conferences. And I met someone called Tom Canyon, who I'm sure a lot of your audience knows. He's a very renowned sound healer. And uh, I used to go to his workshops. And after the first workshop, I knew I wanted to be a part of it, you know, hear more of him. And I also got a very distinct message telling me that Tom Kenyon had a, a message for me. So I made an arrangement with Tom to do chair massage at his workshops for about a year and a half, all the workshops that happened in the Southwest and Hawaii, and I did travel to Bali with one of his workshops, that I was present doing uh, chair massage for all of his participants. Well, during the time I was working with Tom, I was being reacquainted with my sound abilities and the sound healing abilities that I have. And it was like re-stimulating me and I was remembering, you know. And then I was in Hawaii at a workshop with Tom and I went out to the hot tub about 3 a.m. in the morning because I couldn't sleep the first night I was there. And these beings appeared in the sky. There were um, it, they were in the form of the Kabbalah Tree of Life, the 12-pointed Kabbalah Tree of Life. And I knew that these beings were healing me and that they were preparing me for something. And it was really fascinating because I, I, I really understood. I could understand what they were doing. I, I knew inside of me that I was connected to their message and to their healing, but I couldn't articulate it really. I, I didn't have words for it. But deep inside of me, I was really conscious that this was powerful and that I was um, connected to whatever was happening. And so what would happen is there would be these lights were in this form of the Kabbalah, and the lights would pulsate and send a laser beam to another light and then it would pulsate, and then it would send another light to another beam, and it would pulsate. And for four nights, I was drawn to come out to, um, I was drawn to go out to the hot tub, and every night, these beings appeared and were working with me. And hindsight is always wonderful, because I've realized much later that to bring the frequencies that I actually bring through, my body had to be reconfigured, so to speak, so that I could bring the frequencies through because they're not really from this dimension. And so um, Tom re-stimulated my knowing, and then these beings came to work with me. And then at one point, uh, a year later, or actually it was right when I realized that my time with Tom was over, that I wasn't meant to be working with him anymore and that I needed to fly on my own. And I hadn't really fully comprehended it yet, but someone gifted me with a crystal bowl. And I started playing with it every day. 
And then I started using it with my clients. I would hold the bowl over their body and uh, work it, and then the sound, you know, would do healing work with them. And then all of a sudden I was guided to tone with the bowl. And then I was guided to tone on my own. And I was asked to tone on every person that I worked with no matter where I was, in a conference, or these, you know, in a conference setting or whatever, I was asked to tone the crowns of people's heads. Um, that was my guidance. And so reluctantly I did it because at that time it seemed like a little crazy thing to do. You know what I mean, I see? It just it was like, uh, are you there? Hello. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm just, okay. I'm just enraptured just by hearing your story. Fascinated by. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I, anyway. So I was like, um, so I was being prepared all this time, and I, I started doing the things that spirit was calling me to do, and then uh, sound became a much more prevalent part of my practice and my, because uh, I would tone with people, and I knew it was like. I knew it was magical, you know, because people would hear it and they'd say, that's not from this world. Is that your voice? And I would go, yeah, it really is because it's pretty amazing. And so then what I realized is that the frequencies that came through me, most people can't hear them. They hear my voice. But it's the frequencies that are unheard that are really doing a lot of work. So, So then... In 1999, I got this full-on message that I needed to go to Egypt. And there was a trip going on. A a friend of mine was putting together this trip, and I said, can I come on the trip and do chair massage for the group and pay and be a part of the conference instead of paying the full-on price, just pay all my expenses? And she said, that's a great idea. And so here I am traveling to Egypt, and I knew, I knew that the last piece of whatever it was that I was meant to be doing here, I was going to receive it once I got what that related to my sound. I was going to receive that when I went to Egypt. And then right three days before I went to Egypt, I was doing a work, I was doing chair massage at WESAC in Mount Shasta. And two people came up to me. I didn't I didn't know who they were, but they both told me they had a message for me, and they both told me that on my upcoming trip I was going to receive a gift. And one of the gentlemen that spoke to me was very specific. He said, I see you being handed a rod or a staff. And I immediately knew that it was related to my trip to Egypt, obviously, but the rods and staffs in the hieroglyphs, some of those represent healing, sound healing, um, uh, implement. So I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I went to Egypt and I I toned everywhere. I toned in the sarcophagus uh, of the great of the great pyramid in the in the uh, king's chamber, and um, I, I toned with the the statues of Hathor. I just I did a lot of ceremonial toning at all the sites that we went to, and I opened the conference every day with sound, and I kept thinking that I was going to hear some kind of thunder or lightning or something. 
I thought I would be aware of whenever, you know, whenever it happened. But I came back home and I thought, boy, were we all wrong? Nothing happened on this trip. And so, except that I had a great time and I was very connected to, um, I was very connected to Egypt, and uh, it, it was like a, a magical trip. So, so I thought, well, no harm, no foul. And then six months later, one of the participants of the conference sent me a photo that she also sent to Coast to Coast, and it was on their website for a long time, with me and the sarcophagus toning with the ball aside, the size of a basketball on top of my crown, an orb wow. on top of my crown. And if you really look at it, you can see it's pouring into me energy. So I was like being, you know, downloaded with these frequencies in the king's chamber because the earth had not been ready for it, and now the earth is ready. Well, the people were, but it was time for me to bring them through. So, um, but it, it's taken a long time for people to really, I mean, that was in 1999. And I have devoted myself to doing healing work. I mean, for in the very beginning, I knew I had to work with Gaia. So I sold everything I had. And moved into a camper van, a camper van, bought a camper van, and traveled in the United States. I was doing shows and coming back to California to do my clients and then going out and doing shows. And everywhere that I felt the need to pull over and stop and do a sound healing, I did. And so I was doing a lot of work with Gaia for about two and a half years. And... And that was, I mean, I did it, I mean, I didn't tell people I was doing it. It was just, you know, just like this silent calling that I needed to do this and give this to Gaia. So I did that, and then I started uh, recording CDs because that was my next guidance, was to put the sound on CDs. And so I, I did that, and in 2008 I was, kind of guided to write a book and so I did so I've, I've, I've attempted to follow the guidance of spirit uh, for quite some time now relating to my sound and what I'm here to offer the world and I think you know when you said that um, people can't necessarily hear all of the frequencies when you're working on them I mean yes they hear your voice but there's other frequencies going on and I think that that's very similar to what was happening when you were in the sarcophagus in the Great Pyramid. You know, when you work with sound, it's such a, a subtle, it, there's an aspect of it that can be such a subtle level that it's not yeah. always quite so visible or obvious the way you were maybe hoping that it would be when you went to Egypt. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and it, it made me think, you know, because when that person said you're being offered like a staff or a rod or something like that, but, you know, in musical terms. You have that, like the musical staff, but it's yes. not going to look like a, a big walking stick necessarily. It's something completely <laughs> different. So if we're looking for the walking stick, we're not going to see it. Um, yes. You know, and I think that that's a good lesson for people to to hear from your experience that sometimes we have to just trust the process and go where spirit is calling us, 
And even yeah. if it's not, you know, big fireworks and, you know, a grand parade or anything like that, we still have to engage in the process and then have the faith or the trust that what is needing to happen is happening regardless of yeah. whether it's obvious or not. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah. it, and it's like, it, it's, it's like using the Fibonacci sequence, you know, you, you can play that in your house and you may not even hear a lot of that actually, when they start to get into certain of those frequencies, but the way that it's shifting molecules and, and, and the, the space and the energy is still there and you will start yeah. to, uh, both experience it and be aware of it, the more that you are in it. Because you're, it's, yeah. it, it, it made me think like when you were, um, you know, the four nights in the desert and you're looking up and the beings are, uh, what, you know, what, rewiring you. It made me think they were, it was like they were tuning you, you know, like tuning uh, piano strings. And yeah. we, you're you know, right. be, be, being with that more means that we start to vibrate into the, the harmony and into that particular frequency, but we won't necessarily notice it. And we may experience some dissonance and some discomfort or some chaos in our lives as that process is going on because our higher self, our subtle self has to find that frequency and come into alignment with it, which that process isn't always easy. Uh, And that's, and that's true. And, and another thing I'd like to share is that um, I have been given a lot of information by people outside of myself about what my gift really is. Because all I've ever known is to trust that I'm bringing through something very powerful and this is what I'm meant to do. And I trust that. And I do my best to get out of the way and bring through whatever it is that I'm meant to bring through. The the information that I have about the awareness of what's happening when I'm bringing through the sound has come from other people who have reported to me what they see or experience when they receive the sound and, and see the sound. So there are a lot of clairvoyants that have watched me work, and they say that when I'm toning that the sound is going in in colors and that it's working with people vibrationally with the the with color healing and with sound healing, so I, I, I I'm I'm not aware of that at all. However, uh, more than one clairvoyant has said that to me. I've also been told that, um, you know, people say that they shift DNA. Well, I, I don't know that you can shift DNA. However, DNA can be activated because they talk about that there's only so many strands of it that are active and the rest they call junk. (laughs) And so I believe that when I tone, I'm activating what they consider to be junk. I'm activating the DNA within you to bring you, uh, I've better to bring people to a sense of their higher consciousness. If, and this is the big if, if they are willing to receive it. I mean, I can tone till I'm blue in the face and it will mean nothing unless you have made a choice to uh, move in a higher direction with your consciousness and and with yourself and with your magic. So um, 
and the same applies with healing. Uh, I can facilitate a person's healing, but the healing is always is always subject to what the person's needs are, their own spiritual agreements and needs. So I have no clue as to what that is. So when I tone, I'm either supporting them in the sickness that they can be moved through the sickness with ease and grace. I'm supporting the fact that it will heal and a miracle will occur, or I'm supporting them in in their transition into another into the other dimension. So I'm always supporting them in their highest and best interest. However, it doesn't always look the way we want it to look because spirit is always engaged in what's happening. Well, and that's, you know, well, first you used a couple of words that I think are really important um, when you say that you facilitate and you support because, you know, when people go to healers, uh, sometimes there's this belief or expectation that the healer is going to heal them. The healer is going to do something that is beyond what the person themselves can do. But when you use those words like facilitator and support, it's actually the healer is simply helping the person's process happen, but the person themselves is actually the one doing the healing. Uh, it's yeah. just that it's getting a boost or, or the support that's needed from somebody else, not that the healer themselves is doing it, which also means the healer can't take that credit. <laughs> um, but I also yeah. think it's a good lesson for people who engage in this kind of work from what you just said, that we have to be willing to simply offer or do what it is that we do and then step back and allow it to manifest or happen in whatever way that it happens rather than us thinking it's supposed to look like or happen in a certain way. Yes. It, it, that, it, it's real important to, when you work with people, to remember that because if you get too attached to an outcome, it affects what you do as well. It affects what the healer does if they're attached to some kind of an outcome. And and I think at those moments when they have those attachments, they're not really working through the purity of their spirit. Uh, so it, a lot of things get affected and so on and so forth. And I know that it's not always easy to step out of the way. Too, so right. Anyway, it's a it's a uh, fine little line there. And and I you know the fact that they call the the some of that DNA junk DNA I think is a yeah. is kind of a dismissive term you know from a scientific <laughs> mindset because I yeah. would I would prefer using a term and this is like what you would use for say what happens in a cocoon for a butterfly and I would rather look at it and say okay the DNA that is not activated or is seemingly not being used is is our imaginal DNA or our imaginal cells and what you are doing and, and other people that do this kind of work are doing is we're simply activating the unlimited imagination and potential of those cells that has yet to be jump-started or yes. restarted because I think it probably was there. It just hasn't been restarted in this lifetime. Uh, yes. You know, so, so I, I, I I like to try to find ways to either name or or move away from what sometimes can create a negative perception or a, a difficult perception for people to move past just by hearing a certain word of something. 
Um, yeah. You know, and so I just wanted to toss that in. Now, you know, yeah. burned into my brain the way that I know you is, of course, working with the crystal bowls and toning with the bowl. But I think yeah. that you work with some other tools as well. What are some of the other tools and techniques that you use as part of your work with people? Well, I, I do um, body and breath work. I'm a certified breath worker and certified uh, masseuse. But I prefer to call the work I do body work because I'm really not massaging you. I'm really working with your body and um, working to uh, release blocks and, and, and open passages in your body. And I and then I incorporate sound with that. And I was a tarot reader um, before I started doing massage and body work. In fact, that's kind of what led me into doing massage. And so I have re uh, I've brought that hat back into my um, world, and it's one of my bag of tricks now. So I do readings and I always complete my readings with sound. So I've I've what I've attempted to do is to bring sound into my work because the sound is probably the most relevant gift I have. It's the most powerful gift I have. Maybe not the most relevant, but the most powerful gift I have. And in conjunction with all the other things it makes what I do very magical and special. And so um, I also make jewelry that are like a talisman, and I tone and put, I infuse them with healing when I'm working with them. And then I just trust and understand that the people who are meant to have them will have them. And I make uh, spritzers with uh, essential oils, and I tone into the spritzers so that that frequency of uh, the sound is commingled with the frequencies of the essential oils. And I only have three. Uh, I was guided to make three different. Uh, there's one is called detox, one is called spiritual clarity, and one is called transcendence. And they're, as a package, a whole healing thing because you can cleanse your field and then open your field and then allow your field to move beyond where it is with these different uh, spritzers. So uh, most everything I do has kind of been guided to me, and I just try to, I do my best to to follow my guidance in what I do. So and there's another thing that I do um, that I'd like to get back into doing is leading trips to sacred sites because one of the, um, this is one of the understandings I have, is that the sound that I bring through uh, collectively with the vibration of the sacred sites really can open people. Uh, I mean, sacred sites are, have a lot of information and wisdom to to uh, share with beings if they can tune in to what's there. And so I love going on on sacred journeys with people and doing the sound work and the ceremonies at these places and and watching or feeling is a better word for me feeling the openings that are occurring with the people that are in attendance. And then the other thing that um, I like to do 
its tone at in Gaia and at certain sites because there are certain frequencies that I bring through that help to unlock some of the wisdom that's being stored in those uh, sites. So anyhow, those are some of the things I just love to do. And, you know, and when you were talking about the spritzers and, and toning into them, I mean, we're very well aware, especially like from the work that Dr. Emoto did, that sound can very radically affect and alter the crystalline structure of water. And yeah. probably of any liquid, but of course he was working with water. And so I've I've no doubt that you doing that into those spritzers is... Um, you know, deeply altering and affecting the the potency of what they have to offer people. Um, I, I was also curious, you know, because I work with the Tarot as well, and uh, one of the decks that I use and what I do at the end of a reading is I'll pull a card. Each card is corresponded to a plant or an herb, and I'll pull a card to see what herbal ally might want to uh, help support the person um, in whatever work they're doing. And I'm curious whether you have sat with the tarot and found if there is a particular frequency or tone or note that each card has. Oh, I see. You're far more sophisticated than I. Um, (laughs) I... You know what I when I no I have not done that nor do I nor do I really grok that I might even have the capacity or a capability of doing that because I'm not learned in sound. Do, does that make sense? I haven't studied it or I, I you know what when people told me that I had um, pure tone and that I. Uh, it's going out of my head now, the words that they use, but um, that the notes are perfect pitch. When people told me I had perfect pitch, I didn't know what they were talking about. When they said, <laughs> do you know that you do overtones and undertones that, that that's working? I'm going, no, I haven't got a clue. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I seriously do not know. And I'm I'm not a stupid person. However, I have just, um, uh, I haven't studied it. And, uh, you know, uh, just like when I do my massage, I, I I got certified with the least amount of hours possible that, you know, that were required at the time. And every time I went to go to take another class, it was either, uh, it, I, I, I either um, was full or when I signed up for it, they called and told me it was canceled. And after this happened a couple of times, I realized that spirit was really, I I wasn't really meant to continue learning it. I was meant to do it and follow my own guidance. And um, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I will. People tell me I have magic hands. And my hands will just automatically go to a spot on your body. And I'll know and I'll feel old injuries. I'll feel I'll feel your body. I'm very um, clairsentient in that way. I'm, I'm in train with people when I work with them. It's just a very intimate thing that people allow me to do. And 
And I'm just always honored. I feel so honored and blessed that people allow me to uh, have that kind of intimacy with them because it's, you know, that's pretty major in my opinion. I, I, I'm very honored by the fact that that happens. But, and, I, uh, and I think that there's ahead. a very important message in there too because people can often, um, they hold themselves back from actually just doing the work because they keep thinking there's more they're supposed to learn, there's another level they're supposed to be certified in, there's another class that they should take before they're ever ready or have enough whatever in order to start actually doing the work. And I yeah. think that's a really important thing to to hear from what you're saying is pay attention when it seems difficult or there seem to be obstacles to continuing to take classes or get the next level of certification. It's not because it's not something that you're um, you know, not supposed to do or not meant to do. It just means maybe it's time to just get out there and start putting it into practice and see what it means to you and how you are going to work with it rather than simply learning either from a book or how other people work with it versus how it wants to work through you. Yes, and and I think sometimes following someone else's guidance limits you in exploring your magic. Do you know, do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it's it's like a painting uh, class where you go in and the paint that that teacher will only teach you and allow you to paint in the style that they do instead of allowing every student to paint the way they do and then just giving them suggestion to, you know, improve, change or whatever, whatever they're doing within the style that the student is painting rather than trying to make it be the style of the teacher. Yes. You know, uh, when I when I lived in the Bay Area and I would get massages um, from other people, uh, I always, there was one particular school and I always knew when the student had gone to that school, and I would say, are you a graduate of? And they would always say yes. Was this from Berkeley, perhaps? I, the I school, was this, the school yeah. perhaps was named after Berkeley? I, I don't think it was. No, I, I, it's a big institute. Okay. <laughs> There's a little clue there. In it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I knew, I knew immediately. I don't, I, but I think the school is located near Berkeley, maybe Emeryville. I, I, I don't want to disclose it because I know the people in the Bay Area are listening to this, and I don't want to dis, I don't want to discount anybody. Believe me. However, I would always know when somebody was massaging me that had gone to that school. Because they did it by rote. Yes. It's very cookie cutter. And that's how they were taught. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, and I think that spirit always knew I'm quite influential. I mean, I can be easily influenced. (laughs) So I think spirit has really always guided me to trust myself and to trust the magic that, that lives inside of me. Because, you know, I'm going to share something with you and and, and all the listeners. I'm a firm believer that I'm an aspect of God. So I believe that within me lives the spark of the divine. And I believe because of that, that I have the vibrations and frequencies that of all things that exist. I'm not limited in any way. 
and that whatever frequency I need at any given time will come through me as long as I get out of the way and allow my higher self to do the work. And so if you need the Mary Magdalene vibration, that's what's going to come through. If you need Sai Baba's vibration, that's what's going to come through. If you need the Christ consciousness, that's what's going to come through. If you need an entity that you've never heard of before, <laughs> that's <laughs> great magic. It's going to come through because I have the I have access to all these frequencies merely by being an aspect of the divine. And I believe every being on this planet has the same it's the same for everyone. I don't believe I'm special. However, I do acknowledge it. Right. <laughs> and by acknowledging it, I am. And I would love if people were just to acknowledge that magic that lives within them, their spark of the divine, and how unlimited we are as beings. And, and I unlimited think it- and I think it goes back to, um, you know, what you were saying about, like, the people from the massage school. You could always tell it seemed very rote. You know, when, when you say, I'm not special, that doesn't mean that we don't each have our own uniqueness. And it's it's our unique way of accessing, working with, and how it comes through us that is what is individual or special to us. Because you may have access and be bringing through a frequency, and I may have access and be bringing through that same frequency, but it may come through and manifest or affect someone differently, even though it's the same frequency. And that's the specialness of it. It's not special just because somebody can do it and somebody can't. It's the specialness of recognizing it, allowing it to come through and working with it. And it, it makes me also think uh, something that was said during the Living Well segment with Linda, um, you know, and she said that all of life is a song and all electromagnetic variations are Gaia's song, um, which she called the Earth song, and that uh-huh. disease is a musical problem because it's a disruption of Gaia's song in our own bodies when we disconnect from the song of life. And I think yeah. that what you were talking about is you know, encouraging people to acknowledge that, to access that, that's actually what's going to help and why you can help people in the healing process because you are listening to and bringing through and singing, you know, Gaia's song. And if people would tune into that and harmonize with that and come into vibration with that, they would find that a lot of the dis-ease within themselves would start to shift and dissipate. Yes, that's probably true. And as well as the fact that, you know, every every cell of our body has a resonant frequency. And if one cell is out of harmony, then it's as, as a, what, one violin or one trumpet is off key, it'll affect the whole symphony. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the whole, the whole, the, whatever. I, I probably said it incorrectly, but anyhow, you get what I'm saying. No, 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 that makes so, sense. Okay, good. <laughs> but anyway, so that's what happens with our body, and that's why sound 
you know, Dr. Emoto did say that someday that instead of having pharmacies, you'd go and you'd find some kind of music to heal you. And in the ancient times, music and sound, not music, but sound, was uh, one of, it was, well, it was, it creates, it heals, and it destroys. So sound is pretty powerful on all levels to beings. And once we, you know, kind of acknowledge and realize this, we can utilize it um, to our benefit. And one of the things I just want to say, because I'm just remembering this now, you played a, you played one of uh, one of uh, the tracks from my CD, and thank you very much. But I want you to know that my CD was evaluated by somebody, and apparently, when you listen to my CD, it takes you into theta states very quickly. Uh, he said that when he evaluated it, he said it was like in less than 30 seconds you can go to the theta state when listening to the wow. CD. And that's pretty cool, I think. Yeah. <laughs> if you really want to, you know, get into and, and that. Uh, well, and it and it's especially cool, and it especially illustrates what you were talking about because you you did that without actively trying to make that happen. You didn't do a lot of research and figure out what are you going to do and how you're going to put this in a, for a very particular frequency in order to bring about the theta state. It just came through you when you stepped out of the way and allowed it to just happen. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people have trouble doing is stepping out of the way because they worry about doing it wrong. And yeah. if they would just allow it to happen, they would find that without even having to think about it, they uh, would bring things through that are going to be powerful or going to affect people or going to have an impact that they won't be able to necessarily know or put into words, but other people and other things around them will reflect back to them that impact, yep. but it's simply because they just did it. And yeah. and I and I will just let people know that the track I was playing was called Being Within Number Two <laughs> um, from the Breathe Peace <laughs> Uh, CD. Um, there, there's one thing that you and, say that. By the way, when people go to cdbaby.com to get to me, it's, I don't think it's that easy. They have to put cdbaby.com/cd/maryelectra1, and that way they get to my page and can. Well, I think if they just I've, go to cdbaby.com, they can also just search your name or search the really? the title of the CD. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, they sent me this thing telling me to tell people to go there. So, well, that's a direct they, link. Yes, that, that's okay. the direct link that you, you you can use. But but people can also just search for your name, Mary Electra, and it's Electra with a C, just so people know that. I'm pretty limited, by the way. <laughs> um, so, so there's there's something that you you um, say that you help people, you you facilitate people with, which is. Uh, helping to open within themselves to their own omni-reality. And I'm wondering if yeah. you can maybe speak a bit about what it is that you mean by omni-reality. What is that within us that needs to, to open up more? Well, I, I think I spoke to that already about talking about how we're all a spark of the divine ah. and how within us lives all vibration. And every 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 frequency that exists lives within us. So, you know, uh, that's pretty omni to me. And when people can own that and acknowledge it and remember who they are, uh, they they 
everything opens up to the, you know, it just, I do a lot of things, right? I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm very talented in many things. I, I can, uh, I've worked in the business world. I've sold advertising. I was tops in my field in almost everything that I did. I make jewelry. I do CDs. I help produce all three of my CD, and I've never produced CDs, but I knew what I wanted, and I could, you know, work with the engineer, and we, you know, the CDs have my print on them, and so I consider that I've produced them. I make, you know, I do, I've written a book. I've written a couple books. I write poetry. I write music. And people go, boy, you're really talented. And and I'm going, but so you, I mean, it's like all I do is remember that I can access all this stuff and then try it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not good at everything. Yeah. Like Computers are not my thing. And I certainly don't really want to go out and uh, and fix a car because it, 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 it doesn't interest me and stuff. But, but the thing is, is that I am, anything that I choose, to do, if I just access everything that's in me, I can do it, and so can everybody. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, and I think it, I would love the world to do that because it oh, would yeah. be so different. It would be so our world would be so different if we were just tuning into ourselves instead of going outside of ourselves for everything. You know, mm-hmm. the answers really live inside, and they really do. We have. We're magnificent beings, and oh, I would only my prayer and my wish and my desire and my my work here on this planet is to help people open to those that consciousness of who they are. And I like to think, you know, when talking about activating the DNA, I, I don't want to use that word that is so negative, um, but <laughs> that that the dormant DNA, uh, you know, to me. Idea. To me, that's like it, it's remembering our future selves so that yeah. that future self can begin to uh, manifest and come forward in the present. Yeah. Um, yeah I and so you mentioned a, a couple of other CDs. Can you maybe just tell us a, a little bit about the, the CDs that you have as well as the book that you've written? Sure. Um, I, I have... a. Uh, the first CD I did was called Ancient Sounds in Paradise, and the reason we called it Ancient Sounds in Paradise is because I got together with a group of people in a garage in Paradise, California, and we created the CD. It is the purest CD because of the fact that it's never been edited. I didn't know how to edit it. None of us. The only thing we could figure out how to do was do a little reverb. <laughs> so the only thing that there's on that CD that's different than just what came out of us. Everything is reverb. better with reverb, by the way. So, yes, it is, actually. It, it is. <laughs> um, I, I think it's really good. I agree with you. Uh, but that's the one thing we could figure out how to do. So the the CD is so pure. It's called Ancient Sounds in Paradise. And uh, I need to also – see, I don't have that on um, – CD baby yet, but I want I, I I've had to have people help me with it. So, but is it I, is it available through your website at maryelectra.com? It is, but I would I'm I really do want to start selling through the internet because it's so much easier. I don't have to have lots of resources to reproduce the CDs and stuff. Do you know what I mean? And they right. can get it and download it, and it's an instant. It's just like a, a, so I want to do that. 
The second CD was called Homecoming to Spirit. And I did that in Colorado with a Native American gentleman by the name of Danny Many Horses Real, who is an exquisite flutist. And he's just, when you, he plays the flute, it's like you go into another realm. And uh, he graciously agreed to do a CD with me. And so we went there. And, a and what was the name of that? Called A Homecoming to Spirit. A Homecoming to Spirit, all right. Sorry. Yes. And uh, the third one is called Breathe Peace. And I have a, a whole bunch more inside of me. I just uh, need to find the resources to, to do them. And people that that will do I mean, I don't like to do them alone. Because I think that listening to an hour of just my sound would be pretty boring. And I think if I interweave my sound with different things, that it becomes more um, entertaining. Um, and so... Uh, so the sec- so the second D- CD, you, you've intertwined your sound with the, the flute. And well, on and the... A keyboard, a keyboard. There's a ah. keyboard... And um, the, the, oh, it's a be- you know the second CD is a beautiful CD because it's a journey of being in uh, being connected to spirit, and then we you know that moment you break away and that you feel that sense of separation mm-hmm. and the angst that you go through uh, when you, when realizing that you're separated and kind of being angry about it and that angst and then that time of like searching and opening yourself and remembering who you are and finding your way back home and realizing that there was never a separation. Um, and that's what that, that the CD is about. Because when I sit down to do a CD, we, we don't plan it ahead of time, but we do like a meditation and a, a, an intention. Mm-hmm. And I always have an idea or a concept of what I'd like to convey during the CD. So the first one was just to just share the ancient sounds with people because, you know, it's very primal. The second one was I had written a, a letter to God that I put on the CD and it was about remembering that I was spirit and how I had forgotten and coming back to myself as spirit. And the third one was Breathe Peace because I believe breath is a vital, important aspect of our enlightenment. And so I I encourage people to breathe. And I have another CD that's in me that I want to call I Am Spirit. And so I have a lot of CDs inside of me. um, and, And they will happen. I'm pretty sure they'll happen. It's just unfolding. You know, you just have to be patient and let it unfold because there's always a timing to everything. And I get a little impatient and want it to happen now. But I know that the perfect time is going to happen, and it'll happen when it's meant to be, and in in perfect order. So um, I'm excited about that. So I do want to get the other two CDs on CD Baby, because it's just a lot easier for people to access them. But if not... But if nothing else, they can go to your website and then they can contact yeah. you and, and get them that way at maryelectra.com. And they can also contact me and have a sound healing over the phone if they're interested in a personal one. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So as Are we... let me talk about those today on the show? 
Uh, am I going to do what? Are, are, am I going to get to tone on the show? Oh, yeah. I was going to do that right at the very close of our Good. conversation. Um, but so, but before we do that, there's something that I do at the end of every conversation. And okay. uh, I know I hadn't uh, told you about this, so surprise. Um, but <laughs> one, <laughs> one thing I do is I have a question to ask you from a previous guest. They didn't know who would be receiving the question. They just asked it. And so you will be the, the recipient and have your chance to respond. And then I'm going to ask you for a question to pose for a future guest. Again, without knowing who might get it, it's just whatever question arises for you in this moment that I will then pose to them. Hi, see, you're so brilliant. That's <laughs> so why I the, love you. Okay. So the the question that I have for you, Are you there? comes from. Yes, I'm here. Hello. I'm here. Okay. Are you still there? <laughs> yeah, you're so uh, still. You're so still the. the I, <laughs> I, I'm breathing peace. Peace is quiet. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the the question I have for you from my previous guest from last month, who was Geraldine Beskin, who is the owner of the Atlantis Bookshop in London, which is the oldest occult bookshop in the world. Uh, her question for you is, what have you done today to make yourself proud? I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's always a proud day when you wake up at my age. Um, so <laughs> and the next thing that I did is um, I started, I love to make jewelry and stuff. So I made some pieces of jewelry this morning before. I uh, started working with you. I started working on some pieces. And I have a guest here, um, and I made a little gift for him because he's such a delight. And I was really happy and honored to share a gift with him. And so I, I guess that was something that I can be proud of or feel well, of blessed course it about. Is. Of course it is. And uh, and then this this conversation with you, I'm very proud of this conversation with you because um, I got to say a lot of things and you've allowed me to say a lot of things to the world that I've wanted to say in a forum like this and you have opened that opportunity to me. So thank you very, very much and I'm very proud that I was able to do it and articulate what I had to say. Well, I'm I'm glad to have been able to facilitate that for you. So what question would you like to pose for a future guest that arises okay. at this moment for you? Okay. Uh, what do you feel are the keys to enlightenment? Well, thanks for keeping it small and simple. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be easy for me to answer. <laughs> the proud one wasn't so easy. <laughs> well, for those already enlightened, of course it's easy to answer that question, but so many people are not. Uh, so that that's going to move us to the close of our conversation. So if you would like to gift us with a, a toning of some sort, then I would be more than happy to 
allow you to have the the space and the forum to do so. Uh, I don't know if you say anything before you do, like here's the intention of this tone, or if you just do what comes yes, out, you. you can let us know. And um, and I'm going to hand it over to you to do whatever process it is that you do for that. And and before I do that, I want to say thank you sincerely. Uh, I see. And if you ever want me on as a guest again, I would be honored and privileged to be a guest because this has been a delight for me. So thank you. And all of you people listening, um, just blessings to you all. I really just want to send blessings out to all of you. And so the intention I would like to create with this healing is I would like to neutralize the discord that is existing on the planet today. I'd like to neutralize it. I'd like to send a healing to any person open and willing to receive it that may be in need of a spiritual, emotional, or physical healing today. I'd also like to send this out to people, this energy out to people to open their higher consciousness so they can be fulfilled in a very powerful way through their own magic and wonder. And so those are the intentions that I have created for the sound healing that I'm doing. However, you can create your own. All you need to do is think of an intention and breathe very deeply and bring that breath of life force into your lungs and release it. And as you release your breath, you're releasing anything that no longer serves you. So just breathe in and exhale, allowing your body to relax. And as your body relaxes, it becomes open and receptive to the sound healing that we're about to do. So just keep breathing and breathe in and breathe out. For that, I will say that for me, the image that came was Quan Yin and the Lotus. That's what that tone was giving me. And I would like to thank Mary Electra for having joined me here today and shared her wisdom as well as her her song, her tones uh, with us. And if you would like to find out more about Mary Electra as well as 
the offerings she has in terms of a book and CDs, the services she offers, and where you can find her perhaps appearing at a conference or an event um, uh, near you. You can visit her website at www.maryelectra.com, which is mary, E-L-E-C-T-R-A.com. And you can find her latest CD, Breathe Peace, at cdbaby.com. So my thanks to Mary Electra for joining me here today. And I invite you to stay tuned. Coming up, we have our Living Well segment with Linda Wiley with some really great tips on some things to uh, help us in this burgeoning spring season. Uh, It's the season of the liver, and she has some great tips for how to support that and work with that in the coming season. And also, of course, if you would like to receive a reading, um, that will be coming up after the Living Well segment, and you can get into the queue now. You'll need to do that before the uh, the 12.30 uh, mark, um, because the, the live portion of the show will end, but the show will continue after that. As long as you're in the queue, then you will be able to get a reading. And I'm going to... Uh, leave us, uh, oh, if you would like to get into the queue, you can Skype in or call 646-716-5510. And we are going to uh, finish this by hearing another song from Mary's CD, Breathe Peace. And this is actually the title track called Breathe Peace. listening to Revolution with host Heisey Lutmers on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at facebook.com slash revolution with Heisey. Greetings, space cadets. Welcome to Big Bang 2.0, or perhaps just March. Baby, 
We move now into the quickening times of spring and the vernal equinox for those of us dwelling in the northern hemisphere. It promises to be a time of awakening. With an intense and much-anticipated Uranus-Pluto square, which goes live on March 16th and will reverberate with its cosmic echoes long after the direct square, and hopefully represent a crucial turning point for the human species. The on-ramp to the said square could potentially feel like atmospheric re-entry, crushing gravitational forces, intense air resistance, exponentially accelerating friction, which generates unbearable heat, and then terminal velocity at 32 feet per second per second, before slamming into the first law of Newtonian mechanics, and having an encounter with the tensile forces of either land or water. Most encounters with this at terminal velocity don't end well. That said, even though it may feel like that, the outcome is most certainly better. Remember, the only constant is change. So while it could be an intense month with a rapidly warming on-ramp to the Uranus-Pluto square, March 16th is the word. (laughs) So the litany of re-entry goes as such. Mercury will sextile Uranus, which is a repeat of last month's configuration, converging with a Mercury opposition to Jupiter, both of which will fall on March 1st. The sextile between the mind planet and its higher octave is summed up in the term from Hakim Bey, sperm and firecrackers, and feels just about the same. Call it the pornographic pop shot configuration. If the mind goes off the rails and ideas seem wildly out of left field, this might be why. It's a groundbreaking aspect, and in the lusty goat sign, it might take a turn towards the erotic, as well as challenging the status quo at the institutional level. Touching off this embrace is a Jupiter opposition, which means that our ideas could metastasize out of control, and mimetic offspring can be unleashed on the world at a time when they could easily spread beyond established limits. This can be a mixed blessing in that innovations abound for sure, but not every innovation is good. Technology has its wonders, but when out when put to nefarious uses, it can trounce hard-won liberties that are difficult to get back. Critical thinking and advanced understandings are critical during this period, so as to ensure the rollout of these powerful catalysts minimizes harm and maximizes pleasure. Venus gets to have some fun this month starting March 4th. She touches off into a trifecta of cosmic inflations. The lustrous goddess will conjunct Uranus, already making receptive aspects to Mercury, square Pluto, and trine Jupiter. She's playing with the big girls this month. Sweeping changes and wrenching transitions are signaled here. If it feels like relations are in a pressure cooker and there is tension between evolutionary tendencies and liberatory ones, this could be why. Things are helped along with Jupiter, magnifying these concerns to larger-than-life status. That said, it could mean that the tensions we have been seeing between the 1% and the rest of us could intensify, and this could set up a perfect storm of events that could give some serious firepower to the emerging Uranus-Pluto square later in the month. The 11th comes sweeping in with three major aspects. Mars conjuncts Uranus and squares Pluto. This is often an explosive combination as Mars moves through its weakest sign, Pisces. Some astrologers correlate this configuration to violent events in the world. 
and more likely to point instead to vociferous revolutionary acts with far-reaching implications. Perhaps some civil unrest is in the cards. Hopefully, civil disobedience is in order that will have the compressive forces of the old guard acting down on it. Hopefully, even when the powers that be turn the screws, the revolution doesn't turn into all-out rioting. In any case, we could see some global conflicts heat up some. I'd pay special attention to the ISIS conflicts unfolding in the Middle East. We might witness some pushback from revolutionary and democratic forces in the world in response to some of the darker events that have unfolded in months prior. With that firepower, with that firepower in place, we blow into the Uranus-Pluto square and reach peak intensity. This is a crucial moment when a great deal can happen. It is the start of something radical if so chosen and could mark a major turning point culturally. Granted, only if we choose to activate this particular self-fulfilling prophecy. To be fair, it does merit its own category of reflection. So what has it all been for? What is the cultural imperative of the Uranus-Pluto years? So this year will mark the last of these synodic movements in the heavens, but certainly not the last of the liberatory legacies they've bequeathed us with. Let this be a genuine bifurcation in humanity's history, which is with as much meaning as the emergence of agriculture, the industrial and digital revolution. Let this be the turning point for the human species when we truly became civilized, began to work in partnership, raised the holiest of hells in the name of our best ideals, with no one subjugated to anyone else, and led only by the concerns of social justice, technical innovation, and rooted in an understanding of collective sustainability and the rules by which our biosphere is governed. Science in service to life, technology designed for liberation, and a culture grounded in partnership, restorative justice, and an egalitarian stance. Perhaps it is what all of this tumult is ultimately about. What was begun in the 60s, the last time Uranus and Pluto were intense aspect, is culminating and once again reshaping our cultural contours, only now at a higher frequency. We've come full circle and, with any luck, can begin to establish these seemingly historical trends into solid new social structures that have enduring value. To cover the more mundane aspects of the square, Granted, squares are never mundane when seen from the earth-shaking and iconoclastic catalyst that most of these events portend. Demonstrative of this powerful configuration, all existing crisis points could intensify and become catalysts for new trajectories. So the downstream of March. March 20th marks the vernal autumnal equinox in Pisces. The 18th through the 24th of March will, feel, will feature two powerful conjunctions which could refine the world vision to its highest definition and begin to align the vast majority of our species towards ultimately more sustainable and just solutions. Mercury will conjunct with Neptune in the sign of humanity's ultimate liberation from our own limitations, Aquarius, and then go on to do the same with Chiron, which will hopefully gear our minds towards the solving of long-standing grievances related to our social contract. The 1% must be aware that at some point their insistence upon bolstering a system which serves only to concentrate the wealth of nations into their hands is ultimately unsustainable. The social reality they have engendered will prove ultimately to their detriment. In any case, consider this a kind of singularity which allows us to open to the possibility of living out a completely different vision, one in which the resources of our world are seen, are seen as a commons and are distributed accordingly. 
The month finishes with a Venusian feel as the saucy scissor sister squares Jupiter on the 27th and trines Pluto on the 30th. And well, in a word, shit gets real. The Jupiter square could create, could feature personal desire coming into conflict with the immensity of the world in transition. We might want to forge ahead on our own rebelliously, but the immensity of the world could weigh us down with responsibility. Not to mention with Saturn and Scorpio, we are seeing a reckoning, a confrontation with collective will and the weight of social and political systems and chaos feels all too real. For realities that are constructed, we humans seem to live and die by our cultural narratives. Perhaps culture is our most potent technology. However, with Venus trining Pluto, it seems our desire nature will ultimately align with the power of the collective and global movements demanding more accountability and democratic management may gain the upper hand. Of course, the opposite could also happen. We are empowered to act only insofar as we believe we are. Much of what we experience as limitation is born from our disbelief in the possibility of alternative realities. That, my friends is March in a nutshell. So to my fellow space travelers, I will see you all next month. Same stellar time, same stellar channel. This is Prometheus signing off. Yours and Revolutions, Cosmonauts. See you next month. Revolution with host Ticey Lutmers on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash Revolution with Ticey. Enjoy the show. a.k.a. Tino Kalenda, uh, for his insights about the month's astrology happenings, the, the astrological weather forecast. 
And obviously, I was so swept away in the effects and, and what was happening for me from Mary Electra's toning that, you know, I said that the Living Well segment was coming up, which, of course, we had already heard earlier in the show. Um, but that was our astrology update that we do every month. And again, my thanks to Prometheus for having offered that to us. Um, this is the portion of the show where we offer readings. And this month, what I wanted to do was pull a card from the Isis Oracle, because as you heard uh, in the astrology update, um, Mars, uh, Mars, <laughs> March is a bit of a, let us just say, it's it's an energized month. Hmm? It will have its challenges, and it will burn very brightly and very hot, so we have to carefully navigate our way through it. So I wanted to pull from this oracle, which I love, um, called the Isis Oracle, and it's by Alana Fairchild, and see what guidance it would have to offer us as our best uh, and most uh, successful, as well as what is in our highest interest way to navigate through this month. And it's no surprise what came up because so much of what the card that came up echoes a lot of what we were talking about with Mary Electra. Um, the card that came up is actually called the Temple of Lapis Lazuli, uh, Goddess of the Ancient Skies. And one thing that that would immediately tell us is that something that would be very, very beneficial and useful to support us throughout the month would be working with the stone itself of lapis lazuli. So if you can, either you already have one or if you can go and get one, um, carrying that on you, uh, setting an intention into it to help support you as you move through whatever challenges, changes, etc. are going on for you this month, um, and to work with a crystal keeping it on you or keeping it within three feet of you, which is our auric field or our energetic field. Um, that's the most uh, one of the most direct ways to be able to access and carry that energy. Uh, similarly, uh, one thing that you can do, not with every stone, but with this one, it's fine. Um, you can put it into a pitcher of water or put it into a glass of water and, and speak your intention or ask for its support and then drink that water and it charges the water in that way. Uh, so, And I would also encourage you, this is a stone especially um, during this time, I would encourage you to sleep with the stone. So maybe slide it under uh, into your pillowcase underneath your pillow uh, so that you can actually allow it to work with you on the subconscious level while you're sleeping. And this card comes up to basically remind us, and you'll hear the echoes of what we were talking about with Mary Electra in this, um, but it comes up to remind us that we have ancient wisdom and ancient understanding and ancient knowledge and experience that that flows within us, that is, is encoded within us at the DNA level. We often are disconnected from that. We forget that. I think sometimes that's where deja vu comes from. Uh, but, you know, we have access to that uh, you could consider that your DNA connection to the Akashic Records. But if we can trust that we actually have that wisdom and knowledge within ourselves, then we can actually move through whatever is happening far more uh, smoothly or, or far more peacefully um, because we aren't looking for something outside of us to somehow show us the way or give us the answer or make everything okay or the way that we need it, because we know that that can actually come from within us because it's already residing there. 
Um, this also is a, a card that will come up to remind us that we need to remember who we are. When we look inward, when we sit with our core self and we tap into that you know, deep, deep place of our being, that we remember who we are and that we trust our own voice, our own inner voice, our own intuition, what our heart is telling us, that that's what we listen to and that's what we trust and that we don't try to fit into the the model that the external world is trying to say that we have to be or we don't compare ourselves to people and things around us and somehow feel as if we're not measuring up or we're not doing something good enough or um, we need to be someone other than we are uh, based on whatever is around us externally. It's it's connecting with and trusting who we are within ourselves. Uh, it's um, It also is a card that reminds us, especially in this month, I think this is very important. I mean, all the time it is, but particularly in this month. Um, it's also a card that reminds us that Sometimes the the guidance, the wisdom, the truth that is coming from our inner voice or from our heart may not make logical sense, may not, you know, uh, be able to make sense in our head. And if we can step away from needing it to somehow be rationalized, somehow to make logical sense, and that we can trust that there is a higher level of perception and perhaps a higher level, a more divine level of logic um, that is operating through our heart, through our intuition, through our inner voice, then um, we can trust that and say, I will listen to that, I will trust that, I will act accordingly rather than trying to make that somehow fit the external world uh, before I will do it, uh, say it, or act upon it. Um, and you know, one way to, to kind of measure that for yourself is when you listen to that, when you sit with that information or that voice, when you consider that particular action or direction or path that seems to be intuitively coming to you, does it make you feel like your heart is would expand with that? Does it, uh, you know, make your heart beat a little faster? Does it help us open to the excitement on a deep level, not just like a superficial excitement, but does it feel as if it would be something that would help us to expand and grow and move us forward? And if it does, then that is why, that is how we can tell that it is right for us. And again, not because we're measuring it, justifying it, or trying to find the logic in it based on the external world and its criteria, but because we're simply sitting with and listening to that that inner wisdom um, which is coming from our heart, which also may be coming from a deeper, more ancient place within us um, that we have either not connected with before, forgotten was there, or perhaps are just now learning how to access and listen to. And so I just wanted to leave you with the the invocation that Alana Fairchild gives for this particular card, because I think that this is something that could be very, very powerful and very, very useful to uh, repeat uh, regularly, whether it's something you wake up and say every morning to start the day, to set the tone, energy, and space within and around yourself each day, or perhaps, and you do it at the end of the day 
in order to release whatever the day was and bring yourself back to the center. But then, of course, you could repeat it over and over again or at any time throughout the day. And that invocation is, and, and you could do this holding the piece of lapis lazuli, perhaps, that you have decided to uh, get or to carry with you. So that invocation is, I call on the temple of lapis lazuli. I call upon the beings of love unconditionally. I call forth the awakening of my own inner eye. I call forth my wisdoms from peoples of the sky. I call on the protection, peace, and wisdom within me. I now declare that I am here and free. So I would encourage you to use that as a mantra, an affirmation, a chant that you uh, repeat regularly throughout the month and beyond in order to live our fullest selves and our highest purpose as we move through the month. So my thanks to everyone for listening this month. It's always a pleasure to be able to offer uh, a little revolution for you on the second Sunday of every month. And I would encourage you to, one, check out the other shows under the Firefly Willows live channel. And I would also encourage you, if you would like, to listen to my other show, which is coming up this Tuesday night, called The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, that I co-host with Charlie Harrington. And I will look forward to seeing you here, having you listen, and joining me on this revolutionary journey again next month. So my thanks to you for listening. My thanks to Liv, uh, Linda Wiley for uh, once again contributing her Living Well segment. My thanks to Prometheus for his astrology update. And especially my thanks to my revolutionary guest this month, Mary Electra. So thank you for listening. This has been Revolution with High C. And I look forward to having you join me here again next month.